I'm Afshin Ratansi and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the UAE. Thousands have been killed or wounded in the past few days in the capital of what was once Africa's biggest country, Sudan, emblematic of a collapsing British empire in the 19th century. Ancient resource superpower Sudan, even after it was recently broken in two with the help of NATO powers, is of critical geopolitical significance, bordering Libya, Egypt, Chad, Ethiopia, Eritrea and guarding the choke points of world trade in the Red Sea. So-called mainstream media treats this week's violence as a fight between de facto U.S.-backed military leader of Sudan, General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, and his deputy, Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo, a.k.a. Hemeti, who was in Russia recently over Khartoum's plan for a Russian military base. They don't mention Burhan's increasing closeness to the Biden administration at war with Russia and preparing for war with China. Unlike Ukraine, where the USA condemned a China peace plan, the USA, whose ambassador flew in shortly before the violence, says it wants peace in Sudan. As do China, Russia, the UAE and Saudi Arabia, which is brokering seismic peace deals, reconfiguring the Middle East and Arab world. Let's go straight to Virginia, home of CIA headquarters, to speak to someone who has been the most widely distributed independent journalist in the whole of Africa, Thomas Mountain. Thomas, obviously, CIA I'm not speaking to you from CIA headquarters. Uh, I'm just saying you're in Virginia, and I'm not trying to cast any aspersions there. Terrible, terrible figures coming from Sudan, in all seriousness. Uh, appalling news coming out. But unlike uh, Ukraine, where NATO nation media know exactly everything about that situation, apparently the war began last February, uh, when it comes to Sudan, they either look confused... Uh, or they just don't know when the shooting uh, started. They, they hadn't been told which side to back. You know this region. You lived in this region. What is going on? Well, you know, again, there's Sudanese Air Force pilots are bombing civilian populations in the capital of Khartoum and elsewhere. This has been going on since Sunday, and the, everybody's quiet about, I mean, there's videos of whole city blocks at a time getting blown up in Khartoum. What's going on? How come a Air Force is bombing its own capital city and the world isn't up in arms? And what's going on, really, is that there are, there's a CIA-backed henchman named General Burhan, who was backed by the Egyptians and the CIA, and he was trying to eliminate his competition, which was General Hameti, who was head of the RSF. But, I mean, you're not saying that... I mean, Bohan didn't get the okay from Washington to start using uh, jets, warplanes to bomb, aerially bombard the capital. Well, Burhan is pretty much their man in Sudan. I mean, he's, he's intervened in Ethiopia. He provided hundreds of tons of weapons to the CIA-backed attempted coup against the Ethiopian government, to the Tigray People's Liberation Front. He's been trying to normalize relations with Israel, which the U.S. is very supportive of. He allowed he, Sunday's news shows uh, Egyptian Air Force Base in Meroe in Sudan being captured by the RSF. I mean, this these uh, Egyptian airplanes are being used to threaten Ethiopia because they're Sudan. I mean, Egypt is demanding that they control Egypt control the Nile Valley waters. So I mean. Burhan has been basically the henchman for the CIA in the region. Okay, well, and let's just get on. There's a whole lot. 
Let's just get on to the geostrategic, because uh, you mentioned Ethiopia there, which is um, a whole other element uh, in extent, I mean, to an extent, because uh, it was uh, accused of being part of a propaganda operation in recent years that the TPLF were some kind of freedom fighters. Uh, even uh, Western media eventually had to give up on that one. And I've got to say, Al-Sisi of Egypt, quote, says, quote, will not interfere in the internal affairs of Sudan and will continue to efforts for achieving a ceasefire. What is happening in Sudan is an internal matter, should not be interfered with. We are in contact with uh, both the Sudanese uh, armed forces and the rapid support uh, forces. You mentioned Ethiopia there. There's been a peace process there with Eritrea, which has uh, been the most sanctioned country in the world. Now Russia, now Russia is. What, uh, what is that relationship? Is that, is that the complexity uh, here? as regards trying to destabilize that peace uh, deal between the leaders of Eritrea and Ethiopia. And just you might just have to start by mentioning the Bab el-Mandeb Straits and why Washington looks upon this region as the most strategic on Earth. Right. Well, the, the Horn of Africa is probably one of the most strategic regions on the planet. Most of the trade between EU and Asia passes through there in container ships. And so there's two choke points. There's up in the north, the Suez Canal, and the south at the Baab al-Mandeb. Now, the U.S. has kind of been a, between a rock and a hard place here because Iran and Saudi Arabia are making peace. And Saudi Arabia is what I call their Vietnam. Is coming. The war is coming to a close. And on the other side of the Red Sea is Eritrea, which refuses to kneel down to the U.S. hegemony. So... The U.S. is in a bad spot because if they can't control the Baab al-Mandeb, they got a serious credibility problem with the rest of the world. So, you know, the Horn of Africa is strategically critical, and that's why the, the CIA has been spending billions of dollars for many decades now trying to prop up a policeman on the beat. Um, they lost their policeman on the beat when the TPLF was removed from power in what I call the peaceful revolution in Ethiopia in 2018. And... Uh, they tried to bring the TPLF back to power in early November 2020 through a military coup, which was defeated mainly thanks to the intervention at the, in, at the request of the Ethiopian government by the Eritrean military. So Eritrea and Ethiopia have grown very close fighting their common enemy, and the Ethiopian people and the Eritrean people are now really, I don't think that the bond is unbreakable. And this has got the Americans upset because Ethiopia is one of the largest countries in Africa and it's strategically located on, you know, close to the, to the Baab al-Mandeb. So um, that's sort of the background of why the U.S. is worried. And, uh, you know, basically with the fall of the TPLF, that left Burhan and Sudan as their main henchmen in the region. And now with it looks like Burhan is falling, I mean, we haven't heard from him other than what... Blinken, you know, I called the Secretary of Chaos of the U.S. Uh, Blinken the Fool's claimed he had a conversation with Burhan. Yeah, Blinken, Blinken says he's been, been talking to them. But, I mean, the history of uh, colonialism, imperialism in that region is dividing and ruling, clearly. And uh, they've, you're explaining how that age of divide and rule has failed in the Horn of Africa vis-à-vis -vis Ethiopia and Eritrea. It's been very successful in Sudan, arguably. They've had Hollywood, George Clooney in South Sudan, and the Darfur so-called genocide, which uh, scholars, uh, people can watch our interview with Mahmoud Mamdani of Princeton, uh, debunking a lot of the myths about that. But they uh, are they going to be successful this time? Because just as uh, 
Russia was getting this base, which the United States clearly don't want, uh, the Sudanese base in, in Port Sudan on the Red Sea, and peace is breaking out around these areas. Can they not just triangulate? They can say Ethiopia is going to build the Gerd Dam, which hydroelectrically uh, uh, depresses uh, water supplies to Cairo. They've got South Sudan as the proxy there. They've got Hemeti to, they can back Hemeti maybe next week against uh, uh, Burhan and just keep doing this. The Americans have the money. Well, you know, Hameti has got a track record of, you know, wanting to have a civilian-ruled government in, in Sudan. I mean, the, when the civilian rule came back to power after the coup that Burhan orchestrated against Bashir, his former overlord, the uh, Hameti went to Eritrea and left Asmara, and a few, and when he, few hours after he landed in Khartoum, he announced a peace deal. Now... You know, so Hameti's backtrack, just last month, Hameti was in Eritrea. You know, Eritrea, there's a saying, all horns, all roads to peace in the Horn of Africa run through Asmara, Eritrea. So, you know, Hameti going there and coming back home. But see, the U.S. doesn't want Hameti. They don't want the peace in the Horn of Africa. They want to have their own henchmen in power. And Burhan's been the guy they want. They've actually, you know, basically stood by and allowed him to do two coups without any real repercussions. So, you know, uh, Hameti is, looks like he's winning this war. I mean, it's hard to say from Lynchburg, but, you know, we follow very closely the news from the region. And uh, my wife speaks the languages there. So Lynch, Lynchburg, Virginia. Yeah, I know you're, you're monitoring yeah. all the all the conversations and the, and the radio transmissions. But, um, of course, Hameti, uh, Hameti's um, views weren't even really telegraphed to the wider public. He, unlike unlike Burhan, did apologize for the lack of a transition to civilian government. Uh, the, what is the role of data nation media in this? And the elite class of, N I, I don't know whether you'd call them an NGO class, of quasi-USAID, EU-funded uh, elites in this region that then appear as talking heads on television programs and then volubly say, no, this is an RSF coup, against this great leader, uh, Burhan, who uh, was in the process of transferring to tra a civilian rule. So a civilian rule that no doubt would also have been peopled by people perhaps educated in the United States and part of that complex. Well, you know, the, what the Western countries, especially the US doesn't want is real pan-Africanism solidarity breaking out on the Horn of Africa. And, you know, people starting to stand up for what's best for their own interest rather than what's best for the Western interest. And um, hopefully, Hamedi's part of that movement. You know, we can never tell, but right now, he looks like the best choice. But, you know, he is supported by Ethiopia and Eritrea, both of which want to see peace in Sudan. Nobody wants to see war in Sudan. Nobody wants to see the Sudanese people suffering, which has been getting worse and worse under Burhan. I mean, uh, even Bashir, as bad as he was, the people had bread to eat. But in Sudan, for under Burhan, people are hungry. I mean, that's the problem, see? So uh, the, the West basically wants to control the region. They want to keep their henchmen, people that are pro-West in power, people that will recognize Israel, and so on and so forth. And uh, this is why the West has been supporting Burhan. You know, I mean, Sudan is part of the Arab Nubian Shield, which is one of the three richest mineral concentrations on the planet, which includes Eritrea, parts of Ethiopia, and Saudi Arabia. 
And, you know, there's been Russian mining in, in uh, Sudan for years, gold, giant gold mines, another thing. So, you know, the West is concerned about that. They want to come in. They want to be the ones exploiting those minerals. So, you know, there is a, a, a vested interest in the region, but it's mainly the Horn of Africa as being, you know, the Baab al-Mandeb and strategically critical. So, you know, uh, it's interesting. Hameti went to Russia last year. When he returned, shortly after return, Burhan holds a press conference and announces this uh, Russian this small basin in uh, Sudan's Red Sea coast. So, you know, it's like uh, Hameti's been out there internationally trying to, you know, get bilateral relations and other things. And, uh, you know, so I think it's got, especially with his relation, close relations with Russia, it's got the West worried. Thomas Mountain, I'll stop you there. More from the most widely distributed independent journalists in the whole of Africa after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with someone who has been the most widely distributed independent journalist in Africa, Thomas Mountain. Of course, Hermeti, the RSF leader, is known in NATO nation media as a private mercenary army contractor who's made loads of money associated with the Janjaweed, the genocide in Darfur. Uh, you might just have to uh, dispel a few of the myths there before uh, uh, we try and analyze it further, what's going on? Well, you know, Hermeti's no angel, you know. They used to call him the camel general, and he, he got rich, you know, from through his military control of the West Sudan, but he has been supporting civilian rule in the region and military rule is just gonna be a disaster. Sudan's had 30 years of that under Bashir, they don't need it anymore. So uh, Sudan you know, had oil and, and it, it pretty much run out and uh, they used to be rich in oil and now Sudan's hurting. So, you know, somebody's gonna have to come in and, and uh, you know, give some hard medicine to the Sudanese people because, you know, this war in Khartoum, bombing in Khartoum, Sudan has never seen that before. The Sudan people are tasting war really firsthand, most of them, for the first time. So I think uh, this is kind of a wake-up call to the Sudanese people that they, they can't just sit back and, and worry about where they're going to get their bread today. they got to deal with, you know, how they're going to govern their country, how they're going to get themselves out of this mess. But, you know, I just saw reports that said that this, most of the Sudanese people want Eritrea to come in and mediate this problem. Because look look at what's going on in this war. You've got Burhan with the Sudanese army, 250,000 people with a armor, air force, helicopters, fighter bombers, tanks. And then you've got Hamedi's force, 100,000, which is basically a militia mounted on pickup trucks with anti-aircraft and, and small cannons. Now, I, you know, how come Burhan hasn't just crushed them? Well, you know, Tim, it looks like it's the other way around. Major surrenders are taking place from Burhan's inner circle. So, any case, you know, Hameti's going to have a really tough time with 100,000 men controlling a huge country like Sudan of over 40 million people. So, you know, you're going to need some mediation because, I mean, not only has Burhan got his supporters, you've got Bashir, the former president that was overthrown, got his supporters. And this is a very complex situation that's going to require some really expert mediation. And what would, what would uh, Tony Blinken and the Biden White House uh, do if parties there 
and even the middle-class cadre elites uh, who are interviewed on uh, NATO nation media television networks who appear to just say everyone is bad in terms of leadership, not really saying uh, either way the geopolitical influences on either party. What, what would uh, the Biden uh, White House say if uh, Asmara became the talking, uh, the talking place? And I should say the United Nations has said very uh, little concrete uh, in terms of uh, progressing uh, peace after the, this violence in the past few days. Well, the one thing the U.S. is very much against is Eritrea having any role in promoting peace in the Horn of Africa. The U.S. policy is crisis management. And it's been that way for many, many decades. Create a crisis and then manage that crisis to better loot and plunder the resources of the region. They don't want strong nationalist governments, you know, uniting the region, developing peaceful cooperation and independence from the West. They want small, broken up countries that, you know, have to kneel down and accept whatever they're told, whatever they're handed out. So, you know, Eritrea getting involved in Sudan is the US, one of the U.S. worst nightmares. I mean, that's what they don't want. But, you, you know, Eritrea think, has a history of... You don't think the $331 million announced by Blinken given to Addis Ababa is uh, something of concern as regards peace? Well, you know, Ethiopia's got over 100 million people. So, you know... They've got a multi. Why did Blinken do that? Right? Why did Blinken just announce that? Well, just before you know, the violence kicked it's off. It's like it's peanuts, really. I mean, it's like he's got his. It's a carrot and a stick. I mean, they can't just come in and and try to beat Ethiopia over the head. They're trying to bribe them. I mean, they're offering them, you know, because Ethiopia has got all this odious debt, which they should just declare odious debt, billions and billions of dollars to the IMF and the World Bank, which was run. This debt was run up under the very corrupt. Uh, U.S. lackey regime, the TPLF regime, before Abi, Prime Minister Abiy came to power. So, you know, Ethiopia is kind of in a hard spot. They're short of foreign currency. They need IMF money. The IMF is saying, listen, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And what they really want is they want Ethiopia and Eritrea to part ways, which Ethiopian people are not going to allow. So, you know, Abiy knows. I mean, the head of the Ethiopian military recently came out and said on national TV, we owe Eritrea a debt. We don't know how we're going to pay it. In other words, when Eritrea saved Ethiopia from a, the TPLF coup d'etat that the CIA supported and instigated, Ethiopia knows who saved them. That was Eritrea. So I don't know what you know, figure you Eritrea's, you think of in terms of the yeah the more recent violence of the TPLF were involved in the Tigray uh, region to uh, stop the peace process, but the amount of weaponry going in there was quite substantial. Uh, do you think uh, Blinken and, and the Biden White House would uh, would send more military uh, weapons and armaments to uh, Burhan as he runs out of ammunition fighting uh, fighting Hameti in Sudan? Well, you know, I, I just saw a report. My, my wife just saw a report that the uh, RSF under Hermeti captured 200 uh, Sudanese army tanks. Basically, the Sudanese army just left this major arms depot and said, here, you know, it's yours. I mean, these reports so far, they've all been turning out to be true. They're from reliable sources we've been trusting for years now. And so, you know, it, it doesn't look good for Burhan. I don't see how he's going to hold up. I mean, his head of his military intelligence surrendered on Sunday. The, one of his senior generals surrendered on Sunday. Another senior general was captured on Sunday. I mean, this is from a lightly armed 
uh, militia force fighting one of Africa's biggest armies, and yet things are going that bad for Burhan. So, I mean, even if they send more arms, they're already the arms are going, you know, going to the other side. I don't see how they're going to be able to save Burhan other than, you know, maybe I don't actually. There's no way they can save him. I don't think, but we'll see. And do you think? Do you I think? Do you think, I mean, there's the Russia-Africa summit in July in St. Petersburg. Do you think Russia, China, UAE, Saudi Arabia and others have already assumed this position, that Hameti is the next uh, transitional uh, ruler in Khartoum? It's coming up, and it's a big deal. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a breakthrough in, in uh, Africa moving away from Western domination. That's clear. And that uh, some of the featured people are going to be, for example, Eritrean President Isaias Afwoki. He'll be there. And, you know, it's a big deal because, you know, it reaches only 4 million people, but the foreign ministers of Russia, China, and India have all visited Eritrea, not too distant past. You know, so, I mean, that's... No, blink, no Blinken in Asmara on his many tours. Blinken's been all over the world, hasn't he? Following Lavrov, some people say he didn't visit Asmara noticeably. No, well, I don't... He's not welcome there. I mean, any case. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the, the U.S. is, like I say, it's in, a, it's in a tight spot. It's not a whole lot they can do besides make a lot of noise and threaten sanctions on him. Yeah, they are threatening I mean, sanctions. I saw that. The Blinken was very quickly going, uh, you know, we could uh, close down bank accounts. Could that, be a, could that be an issue? I mean, how far do you think Washington's going to go at war with Russia through Ukraine against China in the South China Sea and now in what was the largest country in Africa? Will it just fight? And, and, and do you think this time around Egypt will come round to the Arab majority view, which is uh, Washington's uh, uh, presence in this region has not been uh, uh, greatly beneficial in the past uh, 50, 100 years. Well, well, you know, Egypt is actually in a very desperate financial situation. And, you know, cost of living is going up very rapidly and, and there's hunger breaking out in Egypt. So the Egyptian government is, you know, not in the strongest position in their own population. And, and the Egyptian soldiers being captured by the RSF and the airplanes being captured by the RSF in Meroway on Sunday, it did not sit well with the Egyptian people. So, I mean, you know, what Egypt's going to do is, that's a tough one because, you know... Uh, but Egypt's its biggest investor is China. Presumably, they're not going to continue down this IMF World Bank path. I know they have uh, to an extent, but obviously they are looking to BRICS and the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, so it's it's... It's hard to say where Egypt's going to go because they're still pretty much dependent on Western largesse to survive. But I know they know that's there's no future in that. Everybody's starting to see that. I mean, look at Saudi. They said, "Ooh, no future in this American dollar hegemony." So I mean, there's a major move away from the U.S. and this is a serious problem for the U.S. I mean, they're, like I say, they're between a rock and a hard spot, and. What are they going to, the only people that could possibly intervene in Sudan would be the Egyptian military, and I don't see that happening. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I don't think the Egyptian people would be happy about it. I mean, you know, Sudan used to be a colony of Egypt under the British. And so, I, and there's, there's close ties between, I mean, Burhan himself, Egypt has called him and said he's one of our people. So, I mean, I don't see the Egyptians intervening militarily because it would cause too much domestic uproar. But although they, knows, although I mean, you think that he would get American support, even ahead of the South Africa BRICS summit, which some people are calling the beginning of the end of uh, U.S. empire in certainly the continent of Africa. Well, you know, I, this is all, like you say, times are changing really fast. I mean, a, a month or two ago, who would have thought 
that Saudis and the Iran would be making peace and the war in Yemen would be coming to a close. You know, I mean, who would have thought that Burhan was likely to fall and the U.S. would lose its last major henchman in the Horn of Africa? I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm sort of sitting back and having to absorb it all and not jump jump out right out and say what I think is going to happen because this is big, big world-changing events that are taking place. And, uh, you know, you gotta you got to kind of digest it a bit. But, you know, you can see what's obvious and that the U.S. is in a bad spot that they're losing control of the Horn of Africa. They lost control of Ethiopia. You know, it looks like they're about to lose any last of their influence in Sudan. I mean, they've got Egypt, but Egypt is sort of looking away from U.S. hegemony. I mean, it's like there's a lot of headaches on the horizon for the U.S. And uh, I just hope they, you know, it's like I call him Blinken the Fool because he does really stupid things. And if he's going to try to send the Egyptian military into Sudan, Oh, my God. You know, but who knows? The Americans seem to be capable of the most incredible insanity. I would just finally, I mean, why do you think what you've been saying during this interview is so different to the talking heads you see on American, British, EU media uh, since the fighting kicked off in Khartoum? Uh, usually we see eyewitnesses who can speak English uh, beautifully uh, explaining that uh, they just want peace. Uh, and not really expressing support either way for either of the two generals, and uh, others saying this is all terrible, uh, with no real context at all, as far as I could make out. Well, you know, Hamed... And why is it a fight to the finish, as you tweeted out now? Well, sometime around the 10th or 11th of April, Hameti and the RSF got wind that, that Burhan was going to move to eliminate them. And they moved very rapidly into strategic positions and actually sort of jumped a gun on Burhan. And Burhan has been on the back foot since then. I mean, at Burhan's, I think the uh, Sudanese army finally demanded that the RSF surrender their weapons, which they refused in fighting broke out on Saturday, the 15th of April. So, you know, uh, this like, uh, things have been developing very rapidly in Sudan. And, but I suspect it's gonna slow down and on, I mean, Meti's going to have to capture these bases and shut them down. Maybe, you know, who knows what's going to happen after that. I mean, maybe they're going to have to go to Egypt to refuel in the arm. But, you know, there's a lot of potential uh, stumbling blocks in this peace process. But the best sign is that the Sudanese people seem to want Eritrea to come mediate, which is, you know, a sure way to, to, to come to some consensus. You know, not winning and losing, but consensus. So both sides got to win and both sides got to lose, and they're going to come to a peace that will last. Both parties sitting down and hammering it out through intense, exhausting negotiations, not through ultimatums and sanctions, but through consensus-based negotiations. This is the only way you're really going to come to a lasting peace in the region. And this is what Eritrea specializes in. So hopefully this is what will take place, though I suspect the United States is going to do everything they can to prevent this from happening. Thomas Mountain, thank you. You're welcome, and hope to have see you again soon. That's it for the show. On Monday, we'll be back again with one of the greatest journalists in the world, Pulitzer Prize-winning Seymour Hirsch, after his brand-new revelations of CIA Ukraine corruption. Meanwhile, you can keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country. And head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com, to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you Monday. <laughs>